Pray with me. Father, we pray um, for peace on this earth. And we recognize, Lord, that there are forces in our world that, that wage against that peace. And we pray that your transcendent peace, a peace that surpasses our understanding, would keep us, would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This is our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Are you a planner? How many of you make plans, great plans? I, am, I, am, I want to be a better planner, but this is what I know about plans. They don't always work out. Um, some has, someone has put it a bit sarcastically, if you want to make God laugh, tell him about your plans. Um, Bobby Burns put it a little bit better, I think, more poetically when he disrupted a mouse's nest and the mouse fussed at him in the field. And um, he wrote To a Mouse, a work of great English literature which you probably read when you were in high school. And he says, but little mouse, you are not alone in proving foresight may be vain. The best laid schemes of mice and men go often awry and leave us nothing but grief and pain for promised joy. Most of us um, plan as best we can to live happily ever after. We learned that as children when we read fairy tales that, that we wanted to live happily ever after. Just this weekend I had a plan, um, I have a, a favorite uh, favorite. I have a youngest, I better be careful, a youngest niece. And um, the fact that she's named for me has nothing to do with my um, favor for her. But she, um, she decided to uh, depart from her family, most of her family, um, most of our family uh, on that side went to A&M and um, her older siblings did. And um, the last moment, four and a half years ago, she said, I want to go to Baylor. Can I go to Baylor? And so we helped her go to Baylor. And, um, and you know, either way, her school was going to win a Heisman, if you think about it. But, um, <laughs> but, but she went to Baylor and she graduated yesterday and she said, I want you to give me my diploma. And as a regent, that's one of the things I, I get to do periodically. And so um, I said, so what time do you graduate? Well, the service starts at 2.30 and I know I've got to preach here at 6.15. And so I call Baylor and they say, yeah, she'll be up at about 3.40. And so I'm trying to do this math and um, I'm thinking maybe I can get back, maybe I can't. So my plan was to video the sermon so that even if I didn't make it back, they would have, you know, the video of the sermon and I preached it on video and, um, and, and made it back in time, um, just sort of pulled in at, at 6.28. And they had already sung all the songs they had to sing. And so I just walked in and, and preached. And I was just thinking about John Lennon's statement, life is what happens to us while we are making our plans. And how do we, how do we live happily ever after? This week I was studying the story of Joseph and the Matthew account of the nativity, which seems so relevant in these days. And as I, I read it, I realized that Joseph probably had a plan. He, he probably planned to live happily ever after. 
But his plan was interrupted. And he discovered God's providence in the midst of his disrupted plan. And so may we, let's open God's word, plan interrupted, Matthew chapter one, verse 18. We've been thinking about anxiety at Advent and I can't remember a more anxious Advent than this one. Um, For our world, for our country, our hearts go out to the people in Connecticut and and Oregon, uh, lest you think that's far removed. One of the teachers graduated from Stratford in 2002, lost her life. You can read her story. And then Melanie went to the lady who, um, uh, who cuts her hair this week on the day after the Oregon um, mall shooting. And the lady was, um, Jackie was just um, distraught. Her brother-in-law was the man who was killed. So... Our world is not far from pain. Would you stand with me as we read God's word, Matthew chapter one, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. Isaiah wrote in 714, the the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. You may be seated. I know we have plans, but Matthew reminds us that God does as well. In fact, we're not surprised to realize that his plans go back farther than ours in verses 1 to 17, which I will not read to you this morning. We discover 42 generations of God's plan, and there are surprising people in that plan. In fact, I believe there may have been moments where if you had asked Rahab or Tamar or Ruth Do you think you're part of God's great plan in history? There might have been moments in their lives when they would have said, it's not likely. And here is Joseph and he just has a plan and his plan is he's probably um, waited long enough to get married to be able to support his family financially. It's likely Mary is younger and they are betrothed, which is a, a one year stronger than engagement. We say engaged. Um, Frank Pennington used to say engaged in what? Well, they were betrothed, which is stronger still. So strong, we read that it required a 
divorce to dissolve. But who would want to dissolve a betrothal unless there was evidence of a betrayal? And for Joseph, there must have come at some point, we don't know, whispers. Someone in the media would say today, a baby bump. But there was evidence in his mind that a child had been conceived. And here's what he knew. It's not my child. And so what to do? And one option was um, to disgrace Mary publicly. But we learned something about what it means that Joseph is upright that he does the right thing, that in his mind he was pondering how to handle this carefully and gracefully, but before he could make a decision, the God who interrupted his plan intervened in his sleep. And in his dream, he saw that God's plan was bigger and more mysterious than he had imagined. The consistent thing we learn about Joseph is every time God tells him to do something, usually in a dream through an angel, he does it immediately, completely, seemingly unquestioningly, he is obedient and he is part of God's great plan for the ages. Glenn Evans says, God reserves the right to initiate. He reserves the right to disrupt and sometimes it's that, it's that tragic phone call or text or unexpected email or letter which interrupts what we thought we were going to be doing in order for God to do what he is going to do. But, but this side of glory, I'm not sure all the pieces of the puzzle come together for us. We know from Romans 8.28 that God is working that he's working all things, that he's working all things together for good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purposes. And we know from last week that Mary was that person and that Joseph was that person who loved God, who was called according to his purpose and, and now God intervenes in their lives. And I wonder how God has interrupted or will interrupt our plans. I wonder if we could move today beyond the idea of informing God of our plans or even including God in our plans to the place where we allow ourselves to be included in his greater plan. I know it's hard But somehow Joseph teaches us that we are to trust God's plan, to trust his plan. And if if I read this right, Joseph is a carpenter and I wouldn't want a carpenter working on my house or yours or this house unless he had a plan. Likely Joseph had a, a specific plan. I have members of my family, like I'm not the one, but members of my family who have it all carefully scripted and figured out. And it was all in line. And then in a moment, like a mouse's nest, it's turned upside down and the best laid plans. Gang aft a wrote Bobby Burns 
go often awry. And what we thought was going to be this becomes that. And, and here is Joseph working through all of that. W.H. Auden has tried to capture this in a, a poem. What might Joseph have been thinking? I, I think it, it helps us some um, to understand his, his thought pattern perhaps. Um, yes, it, it may be so. Is it likely? No. <laughs> Mary may be pure, but Joseph, are you sure? How is one to tell? Suppose, for instance, well, maybe, maybe not. But Joseph, you know what? Your world will say about you anyway. And God's disruption of our lives is not always convenient, and it doesn't always immediately make sense. And, and here is Joseph working through this. But in the Proverbs, we read, many are the plans of our hearts, but is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You won't find this verse on a coffee cup, but in James chapter four, verses 13 to 15, it says, you who say, I know what I'm about to do, you ought to say, verse 15, if the Lord wills, I will do this or that. I have lived long enough to be grateful that some of my plans didn't work out. You too? I, I thought about this this week and Joseph's experience in trusting God's plan. I, um, I remember after auditioning most of the people who practiced uh, piano in Roxy Grove for the position of my wife that, that, um, that there came a moment when I met a girl in the business school. This was actually before I knew she played the piano and the organ but I knew that preacher's wives have to be able to play the piano and the organ. I knew that much. And, and I, here I was the pastor of this little church and, and I went down one weekend and I stayed in Johnny and Marie Brueggemann's house. And I, you, you might think pastors pray 24 seven, but really not so. We probably should, but we don't, but, but, or at least I don't. But, but this day I was intent. And I remember kneeling beside this huge feather bed. And when I knelt on my knees, it was like the mattress was eye level. And so I'm sort of kneeling into this mattress and praying and saying, God, I got to know. I have to know because I'm head over heels in love with this girl. But I have to know, is she, is she the one? And my theology at that time, which, by the way, continues to grow. <laughs> but at that moment, I thought there's only one. And, 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 and I'm glad it wasn't that one. And I thought it might be that one. But is it this one? And I have to know. And there was no audible voice. So at some point I climbed up in that feather bed and fell asleep at Johnny and Marie Brueggemann's and sometime during the night I sat straight up in that bed and in my mind I, I saw this word yes and I acted on that. You'll have to ask Melanie her part of the story and it's probably not quite that dramatic um, but after 28 years of marriage I look back at that and I am so grateful for God's yes in my life. And here's the question. When God says yes, will we say yes to him? Joseph trusted God's plan. He trusted it so much that ultimately he tried God's plan. And maybe that's how we know whether or not we really trust his plan is whether or not we actually try it. And in this story, what we discover about, about God's plan is that God's plan presupposes our 
obedience. I mean, we could be like Zechariah two weeks ago who, who said, I'm not so sure about that. And God said, well, if you can't improve um, if you can't improve on the silence, then just be quiet. And so he got to be quiet. God still did what he was going to do. Um, and Zechariah had a front row seat. He just didn't get to tell anybody about it until the baby was born. God is working out his plan. And it's not as though Joseph couldn't have said, no, that's, that's not what I'm going to do. But what I want you to see is that God's plan moves forward. And Joseph has set a pattern in his life of obedience. And so he is fully prepared. But if you say to me, well, it really doesn't matter what we do because God's just going to do what he's going to do anyway. I think it's actually more dynamically interactive than that. I, I liked, maybe you did or didn't, the movie Adjustment Bureau where um, the young politician who's destined for greatness, Matt Damon plays the part, um, falls head over heels in love with the wrong girl from the perspective of the Adjustment Bureau, which is representative of heaven. And these angels spend the rest of the movie trying to keep him from running into this girl. And he's trying desperately to run into her. And, 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 and they say, well, you can't run into her. There was a time when you were supposed to run into her, but the plan has changed and you're off the plan. And the whole movie is him getting off the plan and, and them trying to get him back on the plan. And he's trying to get on the plan. And I won't ruin the ending of the movie for you, but I'll just say this, that at the end of the day, God can interact with our choices in ways that accomplish his ultimate purpose. But he says to Joseph, and you're going to be the one who names him Jesus. I have included you in this plan and you're going to be the one. And we know enough about God's plan in our world that he includes us in his greater plan. We don't get to play the starring role. Jesus gets that role, but we get to be a part of the great drama of the ages. The second thing I notice in this is that he says, you're going to name him Jesus, which teaches me, does it you, that God's, God's plan for our lives encompasses more than our momentary immediate comfort and convenience. Because the name Jesus means he's going to save his people from their sins. And what God says is, I know you have a plan and your plan is this and you're going to settle here and this is the way this is going to work. But, but my plan is to save the world. And some of you are involved in this experiencing God study with Henry Blackaby's book again. And he says, um, memorably, find out what God is doing and do what? Join him. Join him in what he is doing. And if you ever wonder, so exactly what is God doing? He's saving people. That's what he's doing. He's saving the world. He's saving us out of, away from, that's the word, away from our sins. And we live, need we be reminded, in an incredibly sinful, fallen world where people make choices that have dramatic consequences in the lives of many, many people. And in this world, God is trying to save us from our sin and self because we have gone astray, as the carol writer puts it. He wants to save us from our sin and ourself because we have gone astray. And it's not as though Solzhenitsyn says that you can look over there and say, now that's where sin is because sin runs through every heart and every life and God wants to save us out of that and that is what Jesus is doing. But here's the best part of God's plan. He says in verse 23 and everybody else is gonna call him in hindsight, they'll look back and say, in foresight, Isaiah looked forward and said, he'll be called 
God with us. And it's as if God is saying to Joseph, I know this doesn't all make sense, but for you and for everybody else, here's the deal. I'm here. I am right here. I have set the Lord. I have set the Lord always before me. And for Joseph, it was, I'm right here. And God is with us. My friend and um, one of my favorite writers, John Ortberg, says um, to his congregation, for a whole year, I'm going to teach you the Bible about the with God kind of life. Because if you read the Bible and if you sort of look at our lives, there's no question that God has been with us. The deeper question is, have we really been with him? And what if we set our wills to be with God? I have set the Lord always before me. What would that kind of life look like? What if you and I saw God working all things together for good and we ultimately fulfilled his greater purpose for our lives and we were part of his work of saving the world? There are are more trivial things to do, but I suppose every one of us ought to find out what God's plan is and fulfill that plan. I was reading this week about a man named Wilson Bentley. His nickname was Snowflake for good reason because he was the first one back in 1885 who on um, a black velvet um, um, piece of fabric caught a snowflake and took a picture of it. He spent the next 50 years of his life taking pictures of snowflakes, all unique and different. He saw the uniqueness of God's world in that and for 50 years he took pictures. And then Wilson Snowflake Bentley, you know how he died? Of pneumonia, you know why? because he walked six miles through a snowstorm. I was reading one writer this week and he said, I want to die like Wilson Bentley died, not of pneumonia from walking through a snowstorm, but at least doing what God made me to do. And what would that look like for you? What would that look like for me? What if God reserves the right to initiate, to interrupt, our best laid plans to involve us in a greater plan. What if God is working? What if he's working all things together for good? Do you love him? Are you called according to his purpose? Rebecca Nolt in her poem, The Will of God, says much. But at the end of it, she says, the will of God will never take you where the omnipresence of God cannot find you. And if I know anything about living happily ever after, I know this. Nobody but nobody lives happily ever after without him. Nobody but nobody without him. And the God who is with us wants us to be with him. Are you in? Let's pray. God, thank you for your amazing love and grace in our lives that abound to us, Lord. Thank you for including us in your plan. And can I just confess for myself and maybe for others in the room, Lord, we don't know all of your plan for our lives. We'd like a blueprint, but that doesn't seem to be available. But thank you that we know enough to know that you want us to know you and that you want us to be with you now and ever after. And God, I pray that no one would leave this room without the happiness that comes from living life with you. God, help us to be 
with you, O God who is with us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.